what a gift God gave to the world. What a gift God gave to the church and to each one of us here today in the life and ministry of David Harper. Amen. Amen. I know I speak for all of us when I say that David was truly in the very best way, one of a kind. There was no one else like him. I've known a lot of pastors. I've known a lot of men. But I've never known anybody like David. <laughs> he was a prince of a man, wasn't he? He was full of the light of Christ. Such a privilege to know him. What a wonderful, kind, courageous, pastoral, father-hearted, Jesus-loving Spirit-filled man, we give thanks to God for the life and ministry of David Harper today. Thank you, God. Can we just do that for a minute? Thank God for his life. Just thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you. It's been a joy for me to read so many notes and comments online about David. So many of you written so beautifully about him and so many great old pictures of him. And one of the things people kept mentioning even today was that David was a lover of puns. As I've been reflecting on this, I've been very tempted. <laughs> David's honor to continue that tradition today. If you know me, you'll know I share David's love of puns. It's the highest form of humor known to man. So I'm very tempted to put this homily aside for a few minutes and just go crazy with puns, but I can't do it because it's lunchtime, and I'm sure you're all getting hungry about now. I'm not sure my jokes would get a good reception. I could, I could get going on a roll. My jokes just might be too cheesy. I don't know. Didn't like that one so much. Because I think you all might be interested in a different kind of punchline. Punchline. Oh, now you're just egging me on. I could make more food puns, but what would be the fruit of it? They might not be very funny. I've really gotten myself in a pickle here, haven't I? These are the best puns I can mustard. One more. Can I do one more? Yeah. One more. What would David have called it when a bunch of clergy got together at a reception and ate their veggies? A pasta salad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day. I'm here all day. <laughs> we gather uh, today. We do to grieve the loss of this wonderful man. And yet, as we've said already, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve with hope, and that hope is not an idea. That hope is a person. The hope we have today is Jesus himself. 
Jesus had the audacity to look at the grave and say to the grave, I am the resurrection and the life. And so it's Jesus himself, our hope, who leads us today in our grief and even at the grave to make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. If you knew David, then you know he loved Jesus. He didn't just preach about him, he loved him. <laughs> Jesus was at the very core of who David Harper was and is. David knew and loved Jesus, but on this earth, he could only see Jesus by faith. But right now, praise God, right now at this very moment, because David knew and loved and trusted in Jesus by faith, David now sees Jesus by sight. 28 years ago today, God gave David a vision of heaven. Maggie shared this with me, and I want to share a portion of it with you now. So these are David's words written in his own journal of all days on June 2nd, 1995. I taught on the Father's love to a group of men and women. I asked them to invite Jesus to take them into the Father's house, show them the room he had prepared for them, and lead them to the Father. A few days later, I decided to do that for myself. I began by asking Jesus to find me, take me to the Father's house. The experience was above and beyond what I might have expected. I approached the mansion, which was white, huge, but I was unable to take in the details. As I entered, I saw vast throngs of people, yet was aware of a tremendous personal welcome. I felt personally known and received. I also became aware of the most indescribably beautiful music. Unlike anything on earth, it seemed to fill other dimensions and senses. I was shown to my room where I could still hear the music. It had large floor-to-ceiling windows, looking out overstepping lawns to water. And he writes, I think it was a lake rather than a sea. The room was comfortable and spacious. I became aware there was no door because none was needed. Our bodies are able to pass through solid space. I invited Margie to come and join me in the room. After a while, I went into the great hall, which was filled with vast numbers of people worshiping the Father. Though I was some considerable way back from the throne, and in spite of the sheer vastness of the space, I felt a closeness and intimacy with the Father. It was as though distance was no longer a dimension able to cause separation. Everyone in the great hall, regardless of where they were, was equally close to the throne and connected to the Father. I realized I was no longer in a three-dimensional, time-bound world. At some point, through some means that isn't clear, Jesus took me to the Father. I sat on his lap and nestled into him. It was a moment of exquisite intimacy of pure love, and he closes, I and the Father are one. Hmm. Almost four weeks ago, on May 7th, Jesus took David to the Father. David has now experienced exquisite intimacy of pure love. Jesus came into David's room a few weeks ago, 
You were there with him. You couldn't see Jesus, but David sure could. And Jesus called David's name. And because David was one of his sheep, he knew his shepherd's voice. And there wasn't a moment when David was alone. There wasn't a moment when David was afraid. His soul has left his body for a while until his body is resurrected one day. But David immediately heard the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Praise God. By God's grace, David was that. By God's grace, David was a good and faithful. Though imperfect, he would have been the first to admit that. Servant of the Lord. And as I've been reflecting on his life, a few verses from 1 Peter 5 have continued to come to my mind. David would have heard these verses often. It's from the exhortation to elders in that chapter. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That sure describes David, doesn't it? He was an under-shepherd who pointed to the chief shepherd. And by God's grace, when he came to the end of his life, the chief shepherd took one of his under-shepherds home. And that's the promise of verse 4, 1 Peter 5. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. David now wears that unfading crown of glory, which we must know is a crown of grace and not a crown of merit. Let me underscore that, remind us all, while David certainly did a lot of things for God, in the end, what really mattered was what God had done for David. David's hope was not in the life that he had lived. David's hope was not in the things that he, is, he had done. David's hope was not in any of his accomplishments. David's hope was and forever is in what Christ had done for him, in the life that Christ had lived, and in Christ's accomplishment on his behalf. It's because of Jesus, all because of Jesus, that David could look death in the face and say, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was and is David's certain hope. And we hold on to this victory today. We hold on to this victory that belongs to David and to this victory that belongs to us in Christ, even as we hold on to our grief. And that's our tension as believers, real hope and real grief. And it's on that note, I do wanna say to you, Margie and Elizabeth 
and Simon and Sarah, to all the family, we join you in your grief. And we commit to pray for you and walk with you in your grief. We will miss David. We are so glad he's with Jesus, for we will miss him. Margie, I want to commend you for how well you loved and cared for David, even to the end. Never forget the times I got to spend with you and David over the last year or so. And those visits, you and David ministered to me infinitely more (laughs) than I could have ever hoped to minister to you. Those times of sitting in your living room and praying with you too were the most powerful times of prayer I have ever experienced in my life. I've told people that if I had not been a charismatic going into those times with you, I would have been one coming out. (laughs) Just one word, wow. I remember visiting with you and David and he wasn't clear in his thinking or in his speaking and he didn't quite know who I was. But then we would hold hands and pray and he was David Harper again. I've never seen anything like it. Even when David's body and mind were failing, to see the strength of the Holy Spirit in him was a profound gift to me. I can't find the right words to say thank you, Margie. We all love you. You are amazing and strong. Thank you for your example. And happy birthday. (laughs) We'll sing to you later. Also, last thing, Margie and Elizabeth and Simon and Sarah and the whole family, thank you. It's already been said, and sharing David with us, but also in sharing in the sufferings of Christ alongside David in his ministry. For any way that the church wounded or hurt or failed David, For any of you in thought, word, and deed, by things done and left undone, I'm so sorry. On behalf of the church, please forgive us. Honestly, I don't know all your stories, but I did grow up as a preacher's kid. So I know there's no pain quite like church pain. For any pain we caused, we're sorry. Thank you for enduring that pain, and for sharing in the sufferings of Christ. One of these days, one day soon, God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there won't be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. A day is coming soon, hear me, when the former things, the former hurts, and death, and dying, and grief have all passed away. And we will look back on this life and see how God in his sovereignty has woven and worked all things together. Even our sufferings, even our death, even this day in Christ for his purposes and his glory. And after all this, we will look and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages will be standing before the throne 
and before the lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels will be standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they and we and David will fall on our faces before the throne and worship God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Once again, thank you, Father, for David and his life and ministry. And thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. We sing that chorus before we profess our faith in the words of the creed together. Sing thank you, oh my father, for giving us your son. 